0: it is great to be here just a couple things before we get into the message tonight I lived in Los Angeles for about 14 years so hopefully I don't have much of a Boston accent but once in a while it comes through I'll never forget my first day going to Boston and a guy got up for public scripture reading and he said Jesus said I am the Alpha and Omega (laughs) now I did what you did but nobody else did that. I I was laughing, but that's normal for them. I am the Alpha and Omega. I just want to especially thank Phil. Uh, I don't know if you really realize the effect of the faithfulness of God in the life of a man who proclaims the truth year after year, decade after decade. For whatever reason, I've traveled the world and preached, some people would do anything give any amount of money for a pastor who would say, let me show you the riches of Christ Jesus, verse by verse, expositionally. And furthermore, I'm 3,000 miles away and our community is affected by your pastor because I don't take direction from too many people in my life, uh, but your pastor's one of them. And for him to disciple me and mentor me and when Phil says something, I listen. And I'm very, very thankful to open up the scriptures tonight and show you Christ Jesus D.L. Moody used to preach a bunch of evangelistic services and back in those days if people didn't like what you were going to say they'd heckle and they'd shout things out and do negative things he had a service once and an usher handed him a note as he went into the auditorium to preach the last sermon and he thought it was just an announcement and so he quieted the Congregation and prepared to read the note and he got the note and opened it up and it's just one word. Single word he found and it was the word fool. But he was equal to the occasion. He said, this is most unusual. I've just been handed a message which consists of but one word. The word fool. I repeat, this is most unusual. I have often heard of those who have written letters and have forgotten to sign their names they laugh faster in Boston you know Harvard educated but this is the first time I have ever heard of anyone who signed his name and forgot to write the letter <laughs> and then he quick changed his sermon title to the fool has said in his heart there's no God well tonight let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 27 And I think by the time we're done only a fool could not say hallelujah for the Lord Jesus Christ the substitute. Only a fool could say I'm not thankful that the innocent man Jesus paid for my sins. The guilty man or the guilty woman. I regularly try to teach my children the Bible and I'll say to them this, what's the most important theological word in all the Bible? Now you could just say Jesus, our God, but if you had to summarize everything, the Christian message into one word, what would it be? And we're gonna learn tonight that that one word is, are you ready? Substitution. Substitution, you need a substitute. You go back to the garden and you think, Adam and Eve sinned, and what did God do? He killed an animal and clothed Adam and Eve. They needed a substitute. Passover. The lamb had to be slain so the firstborn wouldn't be slain. You've got to have a substitute. Why? Because the wages of sin is what? Death. Yom Kippur. You've got a scapegoat that leaves, but you've also got another goat that dies for the sins of a nation because the sins of the nation need to be paid for. You need a substitute. No wonder when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming out of the water, he said what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You've got to have a substitute. And so tonight we're going to see this passage about Barabbas and Jesus and everything in it just shouts cross, substitution. It's a mini picture of Christianity. I'm so fascinated by Barabbas and the account. I'll tell you what I did. I don't know if I can admit this, but I'll do it because it's a Sunday night. We have just the elect here. I had to go rent the movie Barabbas because I couldn't get enough of it because I thought I'm Barabbas and I'm preaching tonight to a bunch of Barabbases who need a substitute. Matthew chapter 27 tells us about Barabbas and what we'll do tonight in our time that we have is we'll do some exposition in the text, verses 11 through 26, and then I'll give you some takeaway bullet points that we can learn from this passage. Now Barabbas is in every Gospel Matthew Mark and Luke actually there are more verses about Barabbas than there are verses that talk about Judas by name very very prominent and it's a startling passage and it's memorable it was one year ago almost to the day when I took my dog for a 15 mile walk, that was the first bad thing that I did with a friend and I got home and I thought I better wash all the poison ivy off of her and everything and and, uh, poison oak and and, uh, Kim and the kids were here in California and I don't usually let the dog sleep in the bed but I thought okay tonight and I woke up at 2 o'clock thinking I didn't check for ticks and I got the flashlight and it looked like it was some kind of invasion of the body snatcher stuff all over and I pulled off in the bathroom 32 ticks and then in the morning I thought I probably missed one or two and I pulled another 20 off, startling and memorable. Except here spiritually this is more startling and more memorable. I think this is going to be one of your favorite passages. You'll have to go home tonight and read it. I think you'll have to probably read it all this week. The passage that talks about Jesus and Barabbas. So let's go to verses uh, verses 11 through 26. Jesus has already celebrated the last Passover. He's been in Gethsemane. He's been arrested. There's been a Jewish trial. And now the Roman trial. And it says in verse 11, Now Jesus stood before the governor. And you know who that governor is. That's Pontius Pilate. And he's going to do everything in this passage except govern. Pontius Pilate was a bad man. And you can read secular history and you can find out very quickly that he did everything he could to walk into Jerusalem with flaming banners showing Tiberius, this false god that the Jews thought should be no pictures of this man. And he basically said, this is how I would say it when I was a kid growing up in Nebraska, He was in your face. And he was a wicked man. But you know what, he was like most other politicians, just pay your taxes, stay out of my hair, and I'll kind of let you do what you want to do. And so Jesus appears before this man, Pilate the governor. He was married to a lady named Claudia, who was the granddaughter of Augustus the emperor. And Augustus the emperor said of his daughter and this granddaughter who is married to Pilate, because they were so immoral, would I be wipe, wifeless and childless? Talk about family problems. And the text says, the governor asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Are, are you the king of the Jews? You! No army, no weapons, no armor, no money. You, you, you really are the king of the Jews? I mean, please. Please. The Greek is emphatic. You of all people can't be the king of the Jews. One look at Jesus would make Pilate think at least when it comes to this imperialistic army kind of king, he can't be the king of the Jews. And what did Jesus say? And Jesus said to him, you say, or the ESV says, you have said so. When Judas was asking Jesus, am I the betrayer? Same thing, you say. When Caiaphas said, are you the Christ? You say. Jesus basically says this. You should know this, or you already know this. You know this already. Now one of the things I want to do, since sometimes I'm a professor, is you need to get a book called The Harmony of the Gospels by Thomas and Gundry. Robert Thomas, he was my professor. He was MacArthur's professor, so he must be great, right? Was he one of your professors? Harmony of the Gospels. So it takes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and it arranges them in chronological order. Because for instance, Matthew, the King Jesus portrayal, sometimes isn't chronological, and so it's good to read. It's one of the tools I use more than any other tool. It's the Harmony of the Gospels. And so if I fill in with the Harmony of the Gospels, Let me just read you part of John 18. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And you know these verses. Jesus answered, My kingdom is what? not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. Pilate said to him, so then you are a king. You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. So Pilate says to him here in Matthew, are you a king? Now Jesus said, you say, because if he said yes, then maybe Pilate thinks he's the kind of king that's just trying to take over the government. And Jesus can't say no because he really is what? He really is the king of the Jews. Now he gives an answer to Pilate because he's the minister of God as a government official. But he's not going to talk to some false religious leaders. Verse 12, And when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer not in any way concerned about these false line heretics. If you're a minister of God as a government official I'll answer you. If you're a false teacher you don't deserve an answer. Then Pilate said to him, verse 13, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And so what do you do if you have someone who you want to arrest? You throw the book at them. All kinds of trumped up charges from A to Z you just try to figure out The broadest net that you can throw. But he gave them no answer, verse 14. Not even, see how it doubles up? He gave no answer. Not even a single charge, verse 14. So that the governor was greatly amazed. Not a single word. Prisoners on trial usually try to defend themselves. Ask someone in jail, are you guilty? They'll come up with a lot of reasons to tell you that they're innocent. And Pilate was astonished. This isn't normal. This means he was impressed. The centurion was amazed as well. Same kind of language. And you can almost hear the crowd getting louder and more raucous. and, And they've got to have justice. They were saying in Luke, He's stirring up the people. So he gets sent to Herod. Back to Pilate. They put splendid clothing on him and mocked him. And you know Passover... You've got a nation in captivity and they're released. And so they had a little thing that they would do at this time and it's described right here. Verse 15, Now at the feast the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. It's festival time. It's amnesty time. It's time to release someone. This will quiet the crowd a little bit. It's getting kind of loud and crazy. It's a political gesture. Let's let someone go. Passover custom, John says. Surely the guy is going to release Jesus. The crowd will want Jesus, right? Might as well let an innocent man go. If you're a governor, would you rather have a bad guy be released or would you rather have an innocent man be released? And they had, verse 16, then, a notorious prisoner called Son of the Father, bar... Abba, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon son of Jonah, Bar son of Abba, son of the father. They called those sons of the father many times, they were rabbi's kids. We don't know for sure, but this was probably a a son of a, a rabbi who knew Israel, who knew the law, who knew Torah, and didn't like the Roman people, didn't like the oppression, and so he was rising up against Rome. And he was notorious, ESV says. Literally, it's notable. It's marked. He was a marked man. He was so good at insurrection, so good at robbery, we'll learn in a minute, so good at murder, that he was a standout out of all the criminals. He was the best out of them. He was a marked man. He was notable. Now, some of the passages in our original Greek language, some of the manuscripts say this in verse 16. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. Jesus Barabbas. It's in a few manuscripts. Some people think they had to take out the word Jesus because it's almost like calling someone that we really love Jesus, Jesus Barabbas. Jesus Barabbas. Jesus, son of the Father. Who, which one do we let go? Jesus, son of the Father, or Jesus, son of the Father? If you go down to verse 22. It kind of makes sense when you think of Jesus Barabbas when it says, then what shall I do with the Jesus who is called Christ? Why? Because I've got two Jesuses. You want me to let go Jesus Barabbas or Jesus the Christ? Either way, we've got a very wicked man and a very innocent man. Which one should I let go? The freedom fighter or Jesus who calls himself the Messiah? Should we let go Robin Hood? You can tell people want kind of a Robin Hood guy. Or should we let Jesus go? The Bible says that Barabbas was a robber, he was an insurrectionist, Acts 3 says he was a murderer. So our text says in Matthew 27 verse 17, so when they gathered together Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you? Jesus Barabbas, some manuscripts read, or Jesus who is called Christ. Which Jesus should I let go? Verse 18, he's a cool politician. Pilate knows what's up, for he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him. He sees right through them. He's shrewd. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, the Bema seat, his wife sent word to him What's going to happen here? His wife was taking a nap and she had a dream. And if you look at Matthew, dreams matter. And especially back in those days, dreams matter. And she had a dream. And here's what's going to happen in the dream. Even a pagan, immoral, Gentile wife knows that he's innocent. Jesus is innocent. Take a look. But while he was preaching on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him. Have nothing to do with that righteous man. That reminds me of Stephen in Acts 7, the coming of the righteous one. That reminds me of 1 John 2, Jesus the righteous have nothing to do with that righteous man for I suffered much because of him today in a dream. I was taking a nap sometime in the afternoon maybe he was on the Bema seat and now I have to interrupt him. Something's going on. It's like the pagan wife is stiffening the resolve of Pilate to do the right thing. Christianity has even made her into a saint. They called her Saint Claudia Procula. I don't know if she was a saint or not. But she's deepening the guilt of the Jewish leaders. Now, verse 20, the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And the crowd is not left up to their own liking, and there's always a ringleader in the crowd, and they make sure the crowd is persuaded. We've got to have Jesus stirring up the multitude. Let's pick the hardened criminal over Jesus. Pilate almost has a little integrity here. You almost feel for the guy for a split second. Verse 21, the governor, again, who doesn't govern, again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? The time's up, by the way. It's time to make a decision. And they said, son of the father, Barabbas. John says they cried out again saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Rahab was a harlot. Barabbas was a robber. Pilate said to them, verse 22, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Are Jesus called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. Six times in this chapter, let him be crucified, 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 let him be crucified. The innocent man needs to die. They all say, no dissenting voices, it's unanimous. All for one and one for all, Jesus has to be killed. Pilate pushes back, I admit feebly, but he pushes back a little bit. And he said, verse 23, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. Mob rules. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, Got to know when to fold them. But rather, that a riot was beginning, he took water. This is a very Jewish custom, isn't it? Even employed by Pilate, he took water, symbolism, washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourself. For Pilate to think that any kind of water could wash his hands from the guilt of killing the innocent one. How misguided. Pilate is saying, you are going to make this man suffer the guilt of murder. You're gonna murder him. You can do it if you'd like, but I'm not gonna be involved. See to it yourselves. The exact words that the Jewish leaders said to Judas, see to it yourself. And all the people answered, verse 25, You can damn our children. You go ahead and damn our children to hell if we're wrong. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and our what? Children. It's one thing to say, you know what? I'll take the guillotine if I'm wrong, but make sure you slay my children too. That's how frenzied they were. His blood be on us. And of course, we know in time what happened in 70 A.D., we know what Jesus said in Matthew 21 about the parable of the landowner. They got what they wanted. And then verse 26 says, Then he released Son of the Father for them. But having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Let me give you a few practical things. Some takeaways in light of this narrative. In no particular order, but I think these narratives preach... Barabbas doesn't say a word in the Bible, but this passage about Barabbas really preaches. Number one, don't be surprised that the world always chooses wrongly. Don't be surprised. Are we surprised? Fox News was surprised about the Supreme Court ruling. Many people were surprised. We were certainly saddened. But did we really think the Supreme Court would say, homosexuality is a sin and you ought not to do that? We ought not to be surprised the world always chooses wrongly. The polls are wrong, the media is wrong, the voting's wrong, democracy is wrong. We, as one man said, if we could choose today, do we want Jesus or do we want Barabbas, the United States of America would vote for Barabbas one more time. There's a little display, terracotta display made by George Tinworth, the British artist. And it's the moment of release where Barabbas is released and Jesus is taken away to be crucified. And underneath Jesus, the British artist has the word, the good shepherd. And underneath Barabbas, it says the words, the world's choice. You know, the good thing for us though, Christian, what the world means for evil, God means for what? Good you read genesis chapter 45 you read genesis chapter 50 and everything from the human perspective is all wrong everything's going wrongly but from the divine perspective we believe in the sovereignty of god and i know your pastor preaches it who could live without the sovereignty of god and knowing that god is king matthew by the way is the book that talks about jesus as king Out of all the king's kinging, out of of all the Lord's lording, Jesus is the king of kings and Lord of lords. At least Charles Barkley had enough nerve to say, I'm not no role model. Good, because you're not. Matter of fact, and neither am I. Number two, if you're not a Christian here tonight, like Barabbas, you are on death row. Now, this is a large enough group. Maybe somebody here is not a Christian. If you're not born again, maybe you're not forgiven, maybe you're not cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, you're on death row just like Barabbas. Did some research and when people are on death row and they're about ready to die, they do weird things. Those who are gonna be hung by the neck until dead, just kind of unconsciously and subconsciously start playing with their neck. They're almost rubbing their neck a little bit to try to make their neck stronger, getting ready for that time when the floor drops. People who are going to die by lethal injection are just known to be playing with their arms. Those who are going to be killed by gas begin to hold their breath and practice in holding their breath so they can hold it for one minute, and three minutes, and five minutes. I wonder along with S. Lewis Johnson if Barabbas was in his cell feeling his wrists and feeling his feet thinking I'm going to be out on that cross one day and friends time is ticking and one day you'll stand before God and tonight out of all nights I want to tell you that there's a substitute Christ Jesus the Lord you're going to die and then stand before God and then say what you were good God is holy and God is righteous and he has provided the sacrifice for all those to look the repentance and faith in the risen Savior. J.C. Ryle said, Let us freely confess that like Barabbas, we deserve death, judgment, and hell. The Bible teaches that like Barabbas, if you're not a Christian here today, you're a rebel, and you're condemned, and you're on death row. Ephesians 2 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked. The Bible teaches that unbelievers can't please God, and that they're wicked. Tonight's a good night to see that Jesus, in the text here with Barabbas, only died for one man, physically Barabbas, but he died for all those who will look to him by faith spiritually. Look to Christ. Number three, you don't need to be ignorant of who can really cleanse sinners like Pilate was. This is kind of the good news, the bad news of the last one. You know that song, don't you? There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose most of their guilty stains. All their guilty stains. Why is it that that songwriters so capture our great salvation? O sacred head now wounded, the second verse says this, What thou, my Lord, hast suffered was all for sinners' gain. Mine, mine was the transgression, but thine the deadly pain. Lo, here I fall, my Savior, tis I deserve thy place. Look on me with thy favor and grant me to thy grace. Isn't it great that we don't have to bear our own judgment? Isn't it great we don't have to pay for our own sin? Isn't it great that even though we're rebels and robbers and murderers, The Bible teaches there's redemption, Romans 3, for those in Christ Jesus. We know, we have the scriptures, we have Bible teachers. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Christ Jesus became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Don't you rejoice that you have righteousness in Christ Jesus? Sanctification, you're set apart, redemption. I tell my kids all the time, whenever they say, what's holy mean? What sanctified mean? And they kind of look at me when they're little. What does it mean? I always have to tell them, think about China. Not the country, but the, the, the plates. You get out that China maybe for Thanksgiving and maybe for Christmas. And why do you only get it out once in a while? Well, because you break it all the time. That's one of the reasons. <laughs> because it's special. It's set apart. It's, it's the good stuff. And to think that Because of what Christ has done, He's set us apart. He's made us out of all people sanctified, His chosen one. We used to be enemies and now we're sons. He's adopted us into His family. Ephesians 1 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood. Forgiveness. Aren't you glad for your forgiveness? Amen. Amen. It's not even a tradition, but one writer, Oxenham, says that Barabbas, after he saw Jesus die on the cross, went over to the cross and kneeled down and thanked Jesus for his salvation. Number four, if you're a Christian, don't fall into the trap that says you're better than Barabbas. It's easy for me to do. It's probably easy for you to do. God, I thank you that I'm not a sinner like Barabbas, an evil insurrectionist, a robber, a murderer, am I better than Barabbas? I'm probably worse than Barabbas. I just didn't get caught. First Timothy chapter one, Paul says, "Even as a Christian, I'm the worst of all what? Sinners. Not to read sometime Luke chapter 18 in the great parable there that talks about that. Number five: be hopeful. Because the gospel shines brightest in the midst of the most horrific depravity. In the middle of everything, the gospel is shining the most brightest when they're killing the Son of God. Still, we have the blazing glory of the grace of God in the gospel. I only gave you part of the J.C. Ryle quote before, and I'll finish it off this time. Let us freely confess that like Barabbas, we deserve death, judgment, and hell. But... Let us cling firmly to the glorious truth that a sinless Savior has suffered in our stead and that believing Him, the guilty go free. Friends, we should be concerned about our country. You should pray for your leaders. But as this all starts to boil and boil fast and there's the wickedness all around us, this is the time when the gospel shines the brightest. This is the time. You have the good news. lady came up to my car the other day. I was sitting, uh, going to meet my, uh, an elder for a, a dinner. And she knocked on the door and she said, uh, I, I'm in a youth group. Do you think you could help us uh, raise some money? I said, I love youth groups. What's your youth group? She says, good news, youth group. I said, I love good news. What's your good news? I said, I need good news. What's your good news? And she said, Jesus loves you and you got to be good. <laughs> I said, are you a mooney? She said, yeah, I'm a Mooney. And I said, here's the problem. I'm not good. I'm wicked. I'm sinful. I'm envious. I have bad thoughts. She, she didn't do it, but in her mind, I thought she was going like, to back up away from the car. And I said, listen, I'm going to talk to you like my daughter. You're 18 years old. If you die believing what you believe, you're going to go straight to hell because you don't have a sin bearer. You need a sin bearer who's human to die in your place as a man dies for a man or a woman. And you need a sin bearer who's divine, who's got enough righteousness to cover all your sins. You got the wrong Jesus. You got a Jesus who actually died a few years ago named Sung Young Moon. Let me tell you about the good news of Jesus Christ. And I preached the gospel to her and she said, oh, I gotta go. I said, what's your name? She said, my name's Karen. I said, Karen, I'm gonna be praying for you. We've got the good news, and everybody in your life who's crying in their proverbial beer about the end of the world because of the Democrats and because of the Republicans and because of Fox News and MSNBC and the Supreme Court and all that, you just think to yourself, this is the opportunity I have to tell them about that transcendent glory that you can be forgiven from all your sins. Because you, you can be a Democrat or you can be a Republican, and you're going to hell without Christ. You can be a terrorist, you can be pro-life, or you can be an abortion doctor, and if your sins aren't forgiven by Christ Jesus alone, you're going to hell, and so now we get to tell them. I love what John says in 1 John 4. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. We know that, so let's tell people. Number six, I don't know what time I've got here. I think I've got a little more time. Let's just keep going. Oh, okay, this is the first time I'm in one of these movable pulpits. I like that. So when, I, when I, my 40 minutes is up and you lower it one inch and it'll be imperceptible to all you. <laughs> it's kind of nice. Number six, substitution should give your heart joy. These are all mingled together, but that's the whole point. Substitution should give your heart joy. Some people I know read their Bibles with different color markers and every time you see instead of, in place of, on behalf of, You have to pick out the the color that you like for joy and start underlining it thinking, Jesus died in my place. I'm a very wicked man. I've thought a lot of wicked thoughts. I've done a lot of wicked things and somebody paid for those for me. Paid for every one of those and now I'm telling you about who this Lord is. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Substitution. 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 3, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Oxenham said Barabbas hears the sounds of men coming towards the cell. He hears the tramp of feet, he hears the doors open and they come closer and closer and then finally he hears a key and he hears a key grate in a lock and he hears a cell open and he hears the men say, come on with us and steps move off into the distance and he goes over to the window, and there's one of the crosses occupied. And then he hears the same thing again. He hears the key, and he looks out again afterwards, and he sees a second occupied. Then he hears the steps for the third time, and they come closer and closer, and finally he hears the key and the lock of his own cell. And the door is flung open, and he hears the words, Barabbas, you are free. Barabbas, you are free. As one man said, the jailer became an evangelist. The joy of substitution. Spurgeon said, in God's case, if he had said in the infinite sovereignty of his will, I will have no substitute, then every man will have to suffer for himself. But because of his will, he says, I accept a substitute. Aren't you glad You, the sinful person, go free, and the innocent man, Jesus, dies. He redeemed us by his blood. Number seven, two more and we're done. Number seven, the lone responsibility for every sinner is to believe. The responsibility is to believe. Oh, yes, repent and believe, but let's just think about this passage for a moment Barabbas, you're free. Well, you know what? I'm not quite reformed yet enough. I've got to make some more license plates and maybe I'll be good enough to get out then. Barabbas, you're free. Well, you know, I'm not quite religious enough. I haven't memorized the Ten Commandments yet. Barabbas, you're free. Well, you know what? Maybe I get a little water sprinkled on my head. Maybe I'll get dunked underwater. Barabbas, you're free. The only response of the sinner is to take God's word for it that if you look to the Lord Jesus Christ with faith, you are saved. So look, take God's word for it. That's what saving faith is, taking God at His word. And Of course, when you do, your whole life will explode with all kinds of different changes. But your response is to believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it says in Acts 16, and you shall be saved. Abraham, he believed in the Lord and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. John chapter 3, he who believes in the Son, what? Has eternal life. We don't know what happened to Pilate, but we think Secular history tells us committed suicide. And then lastly, but not leastly, number eight, rejoice in God's eternal plan to save sinners. This was not just made up in time. Can you imagine in eternity past, the Father, Son, and the Spirit got together and they had an agreement, a pact, a covenant, call it whatever you want, and Jesus was sent to save sinners. Only one time does Jesus ever say he was born. And then when he says he was born to Pilate, he clarifies it because what? Jesus in the text is sent. He's the eternal son of God and he was sent on a divine mission. And when the world picked Barabbas, it was God's divine plan to have that exact thing happen. And it says in Isaiah 53 that it pleased the Lord to crush him. Christian, you have a substitute. A perfect substitute. And only, he only had to die one time. And that's why we come and celebrate the Lord's Supper. Because Christ's death was sufficient. Christ's death was perfect. Christ's death was personal. It was for you if you will just look to him in faith. Only a fool could see substitution in the Bible and say, I won't believe it. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this time that we had tonight in your word. Oh, to think we are Barabbas. We're worse than Barabbas, and yet you died for us anyway. What a tremendous display of your love. Conspicuous love you demonstrate that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Help us to live in light of that when we wake up at work tomorrow, when we go to work tomorrow, tonight, we might be joy-filled people who want to praise you and tell others about Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. In His name we pray. Amen.